So let's just give a warm welcome to, I mean, he's crazy. I don't know what you guys thought, but yesterday, <laughs> sick. Such a, and when I say things like he's sick, I mean that in a really good way, <laughs> which is ironic because I just talked about sickness. Anyway, um, he's amazing. He's amazing. And so let's just give a, another warm welcome to Pastor Joseph, our guest speaker. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. You know, I am honestly, I don't know if I shared this yesterday, but I am truly honored to be here. Um, wow, God is good. He really is good. That, that phrase, we've made it very cliche, but there's so much depth and so much truth to that. Father, today we honor you, God, because you're so good. And what you do in our lives is good, God. And even when we don't understand it, God, it's good. And Father, today, Lord, we just want to revel in your goodness, Lord God. Father, we want to revel in your goodness right now. Lord, so many times we try to put our finger on what you do, and we try to have an explanation for it, God. We try to predict, God, your next move. But God, you are so unpredictable. God, but you're so good. And Father, we thank you for the healings that have broken out, God, and we thank you that there's more to come. Father, I just declare faith, and I impart faith into the hearts and sons of the hearts of your sons and daughters, Lord God, to receive continual healing, God, to possess it, to lay hold of it in Jesus' name. Father, we pray that our faith would begin to arise in our hearts today as your word comes forth, and you would continue to encounter us, God, and reveal more of your goodness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I'm just blown away. That is awesome. I want you, as Pastor Aaron shared, steward that. Those of you who were healed, steward that. Those of you who may not have received healing yet, we're going to continue to stand in faith with you, and we're going to believe God to do it. So don't get discouraged. You stay strong, and we're going to watch and see God continue to move. Amen? Amen. Well, this, mor or this morning, afternoon, I want to talk to you about the unpredictability of God. So yesterday, we talked about the inconvenience of God. I'm going to get this lower, lower stand over here. But today we're going to talk about the unpredictability of God. You see, the word unpredictable is a fun word, but very, oh, you're the man, bro. But very annoying. When something's unpredictable, it's, for me, very annoying. You know, me and my wife, there's times where, you know, we're deciding what we want to eat. How many of you struggle when it comes to deciding what you want to eat, right? Just keep it real, women. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, and gentlemen, and what I meant, women and gentlemen, y'all didn't let me finish. See, y'all didn't let me finish, right? So me and my wife, she's amazing, as I shared with you yesterday. And when we're going to decide what to eat, there usually comes down to this point where she's like, all right, babe, just decide. And so I'm like, all right, cool. I get to decide where we're going to eat. And so I say, you know, well, we're going to go to Wingstop or we're going to go in and out And she's like, well, I don't really want that. And I was like, okay. But you lost your right to say what you wanted and when you told me to decide. And she's like, yeah, that's what you think, right? But you're supposed to decide on something I'm going to want too. And I'm like, babe, you're so unpredictable. Like, how am I supposed to know what you want when you tell me you don't know what you want and you want me to know what you want when you don't even know what you want? And then when I say what I want, you don't want what I want. <sighs> Y'all don't even get it. It's deep, right? And so there comes this point where in the relationship, there's a mystery because there's so much unpredictability. You know, I love my wife. She, always, she tells me this phrase. She always looks at me and be like, 
I'm like, babe, come on. Why, why'd you do that? I knew you were going to do that. You don't know. You don't know me. I'm like, nah, babe, I know you. No, you don't. You think you know. You don't know, right? And when she says that to me, i like, um, yeah, for real. She's like, mm. y'all well, didn't know. My wife's a quarter black, you know what I'm saying? You can tell when you see her from the backside. She's blessed. But y'all don't even know. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. What? Just keep it real. Hey, the Lord is good. All right, God is good. Sorry. Sorry, God. Come back. Unpredictable. Un- unpredictability. See, y'all didn't know. But there's these parts of my wife that are such mystery. And no matter how much I think I know her, there's still things about her that are very unpredictable. And in certain places, it can seem annoying, but in other places, it causes me to stand in awe. Because I see things in her every day that I didn't realize were in here the day before. And it takes me back to a glimpse of who God is. So many times we try to put our finger upon him. So many times, times we, again, as I shared yesterday, we try to explain all the details and everything about him. But there's something about God that is mystery. There's something about him that is completely and utterly unpredictable. When you look at the pages of scripture, you see these stories where it's like, wow, God, you did that and why? I mean, you would choose to use Moses, a murderer and a runaway, to lead your people out of uh, out of bondage that have been there for over 400 years but not only that you stinking chose to part the red sea i mean think about it they're going into jericho and their military strategy is not to train their men to be the best military fighters that they can be it's not to teach them how to use their swords and spears and javelins the best that they could it's to march around the city for seven days and then have a big shout fest, lift up their voices, get crazy, and then God's going to cause the walls to crumble. And even to this day, you can go to Israel and you can go to the place of Jericho and you can see the ruins of the walls that were tore down by the shouts of the people of God. So unpredictable that God would choose his Messiah. He would choose the savior of the world, the one that Israel was expecting to come with power and with might on a white horse, one who would rule and one who would lead an army and overthrow the Roman Empire. And God would choose to send his savior as a baby in the womb of a woman supernaturally. It's so utterly unpredictable. But you see, there's things about our relationship with God that while there's things that are uncertain, There's also things that we can know are absolutely and completely solid. There's spiritual certainty with situational uncertainty. When you begin to walk in your relationship with God, you have to recognize there's things about him that are so unmovable and unshakable. But then there's other things that we think he promised us that are really absolutely movable and absolutely shakable. See, God's not just interested in being effective in your life. He's not just interested in you having a plan from A to Z and knowing exactly how everything's going to happen. God's interested in his will, in his purposes, in his best, in his desires, in his plan, and in his time. He's not just interested in being effective. You know, when we think about our lives, we think about, well, if I'm going to be a doctor, here's the steps that I need to take to become a doctor. I need to go to school 
pay attention. I need to study for my test and do good. And then I need to be at the top ranking percentile of my class and be the most legit. So that way, when I apply to all the Ivy Leagues or wherever else I want to go, I can be accepted. Well, here's God's plan to change the world. Grab three, 12 disciples who are rejected from the school of the rabbis, who are absolutely really even labeled by the Pharisees as idiots, idiotes in the Greek. Take these fishermen who had no hope for a future other than doing their trade and radically turn the world upside down by them. He's not interested in being effective according to the world's standards. He's interested in his plans. He's interested in his purposes. And his ways, Isaiah tells us, are higher than our ways. And his thoughts, Isaiah tells us, are higher than our thoughts. But you know, the awesome thing at the same time is God's ways being higher than our ways and his thoughts being higher than our thoughts. We see that Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that who can know the mind of a man except for the spirit of a man? And we have the spirit of God that we might know the mind of Christ. You see, yeah, his ways are higher, but God at the same time as a good father, he wants to reveal his ways to us. But get ready because they may not be the ways that you thought they were supposed to be. Or the ways that you thought they should be. And the things that you thought they should, or the ways in which you thought they should work out in your life. You see, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The written things are for us and for our children and our children's children. But the things that are unrevealed, the secret things, they're for God. And there's times in our lives where we have to be okay with entering into the unpredictable. There's things that we know in scripture that are solid. We can read it and say, God, this is who you are. We can read it and say, God, this is how you act. We can gain wisdom because we know the way in which God moves. And we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit more later. But there's also a reality that we have to lay hold of, that there's things that are just secret to us that we don't understand and we're never going to understand. But we need to trust God and we need to put those in his hands and know that he's good in the midst of them. You see, embracing situational uncertainty is a dimension of faith. Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 6 that without faith, it's impossible to please God. When you enter into the realm of faith and you begin to follow Jesus Christ with all of your life, you have to embrace situational uncertainty. Jesus never promised circumstantial certainty. He never promised situational certainty. He never promised that he's going to give you a plan from A to Z and where you're supposed to go at every moment of your life. But you know what he did promise? Identity. So many of us are so focused on what God wants us to do that we've lost focus of who God wants us to be. We're so focused on how we're supposed to function that we've forsaken the reality of our purpose, which is to be children of God or sons of God. You see, Jesus, when he looks at the, uh, the disciples in Matthew chapter 4, he says, come and follow me. And he doesn't say, here's exactly what your life is going to look like every single moment. Here's your daily routine. Here's your schedule. This is what it's going to be like. He says, come and follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Matter of fact, later he teaches them identity. He says, when you pray to your father in heaven, when you do these works, then your father in heaven will see them. When you do these things, people on earth will see them and they'll glorify your father in heaven. See, he never said this is exactly how it's all going to work out. But he did say, I'm going to give you a father that you never knew that you had. 
I'm going to introduce you to the God, not only who's known as creator, but the God who's known as father. You see, Jesus is primary identifier for God in the gospels, especially in Matthew, is father. The primary way that he identifies God is father. And a lot of times when we think about God, we think of him as creator. We think about him as designer. We think of him as the one who caused the world to come into place, which he did. But Jesus' primary way of identifying God was father. You see, when, we're sec- when security and certainty, when they lie with the father, when they lie with the father, then they're not, we're not moved or shaken by the situation or circumstances that we're going through. You see, when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, he wasn't moved. He wasn't moved. I mean, Pilate looked at Jesus and was like, dude, don't you realize that I have the power to straight murder you right now? I could take you out. You don't realize I'm God to you right now. I can take your life or I can allow you to continue to live. And Jesus looked at him and said, hold up, dog. (laughs) Y'all don't even know. Man, I was before you were. I was before even the thought of you was. (laughs) Jesus got ghetto, I bet. But he looked at Pilate and he said this. He said, no authority and no power is given to you except from that which was given from above. He was so secure and so certain in his identity as a son of God and his father's ability to keep him where the father wanted him to be. That this man who the Jews trembled at his sight, this man who the Romans feared, this man who people would walk in his presence and they would fall down on their face to worship him as a God even at times. This man, Jesus, wasn't moved at all by him. His circumstance and his situation can be completely uncertain, but he knew that the father in whom he trusted was absolutely and completely certain. See, our certainty should not lie in our positions, in our titles, our functions, and our accomplishments. They should lie in our father and who we are as his sons, who we are as his children. Sonship to God is the only answer to insecurity and uncertainty. Sonship to God is the only answer to not knowing. Sonship to God is the only answer to the questions that you have in your thoughts about your future and where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do. You see, security Security, it's your ability to control things. It's your ability to control your outcome. In reality, what it is is idolatry and self-confinement. Because the minute that you can't secure yourself or your situation, you're confined to your own ability to suffer. See, y'all didn't get that yet. When you can't get yourself out of the rut that you got yourself in, you're stuck. And your security has become a trap. You thought you knew the right things to do. You thought you knew the right direction to go. You thought you had the answers to the questions that were in your heart and in your mind. But the minute that you realize that those questions are not really answered by the things you thought would answer them, you're stuck in yourself. And only you can get yourself out at that moment. But when our security is in God, we recognize that his ability to keep us goes far beyond our ability to even be kept. His ability to lead us goes far beyond even our own ability to follow. You see, what happens is we're so afraid of instability. 
We're so afraid of instability. I mean, how many of you have ever been in the midst of an earthquake? And that junk is scary, right? I mean, shoot. Shoot. <laughs> Earthquakes are crazy. They're so crazy because there's, un- there's no stability. When you're sitting in a room and your whole world just begins to move, and you're like, hold on, this ground is flat, right? And I ain't walking, right? And I'm not taking a step here, right? But my leg is higher than my other leg. And that thing over there is shaking. There's so much fear that begins to grip your heart because everything in you feels so unsafe. Everything in you feels so unsafe. All your world is falling apart. And so many times in our lives, we're so afraid of instability. We're so afraid of of losing control. We're so afraid of not having the surface flat that we felt we should be walking on. We're so afraid that that everything around us is going to fall apart. And that's because we place our security and certainty in our own abilities. And not in the God who is absolutely certain. But following God in the midst of unpredictability is scary. Because if I can't predict God's next move, I feel like I'm in the midst of an earthquake. I mean, I think God wants me to walk this way, but it's not flat. I think God wants me to have my footing here, but it doesn't seem secure. I think God wants me to move in this direction, but I feel so unsafe because I can't see the path ahead of me. As a son, I can be completely secure in situations. I can be completely secure in uncertainty. Not because it's my ability to get out of those situations. Not because I have all the answers, but because I know the one who does know. Because I know the one who does have all the answers. I know the one who is absolutely and completely certain at every moment of every day. He's the one that established the hem is firm. He's the one whose word says that things that he spoke, they will never be wiped away. As children of God, we have to begin to take our sense of safety, our sense of certainty, our sense of predictability, and lay it at the feet of the one who is completely certain. You know, when I was getting ready to go to Bolivia for three years, I was extremely excited. This was the time that I met my wife, because she's heck of amazing, right? And everything in me, I was like, man, I just want to live for God, and I just want to go to this country and, and serve him and do all these things for him. But I never felt God say, Joseph, this is exactly what I wanted you to do. I just was getting ready to take a step of faith. I was like, you know what? I know God's giving me a passion for missions, and so I'm going to go. And so Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sonny, my spiritual parents, they even helped me prepare. In their heart, they felt like, you know what? We just don't feel like he should be going. We just feel like he should stay here. But they didn't say anything. And matter of fact, they helped me to prepare. And so what I did, I started working at a restaurant. And that's where I met my wife. She's heck of legit, like I said. And during this time, I was like, all right, man, I'm excited. I'm excited about this. And I send out support letters, prayer cards, and all these different types of things. And I'm just getting ready for it. And I remember we're praying. And it was a leadership time of prayer. And we're praying here. And for me, it's all planned out. I went to this week-long training in Arizona. I got letters sent out, money starting to come in. Everything looks like it's on track, right? My flow's going good. I'm like, cool, this is it. And we're sitting there in prayer. And all of a sudden, God shows me a vision. And I see, I see this pile of wood, 
in this stack over here. It's a pile stack of wood over here. And I'm over here, and in the vision, I'm grabbing wood from one place, and I'm taking it to that stack in that pile over there. And I'm watching myself do this. You know, we're praying my eyes are closed and just seeing myself do this. I'm like, all right, this is cool. This is cool. That's what's up. And the next thing I hear is the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, Joseph, you're a son of this house, and I've called you to help build it. And I'm like, hey, hold up. Because I knew what that meant. I was like, hold up, Jesus. Let's run that back real quick. I'm a son of this house. I'm called to help build it. I'm like, does that mean I'm not supposed to be going to Bolivia? And God didn't even answer. He's just like, come on. You know, you, know what I, you know what it meant. I'm like, oh, snap. Hold up. All those people I sent support letters to. All that money that started coming in. All of these things that, man, I, my sense of safety, my sense of stability, my sense of security, my sense of predictability of what God was going to do. All of that just began to get washed down the drain. Joseph, you're a son of this house, and I called you to help build it. And God just totally and completely rearranged the direction of my life. I had to call the organization and be like, hey, um, I was really excited to go Bolivia with y'all, but yeah, that's not what I'm going to be doing. I had to call all all the people that sent money in for me to go to Bolivia. I had to, I I was like, dang, God, they're going to think I'm a heck of fake. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be like, dude, this dude's heck of fake. Talking about God said go here. Oh, God said go here. God said do this. I'm like, dang, where's my credibility? Where all of that is just going to go down the drain. And God said, Joseph, you're a son of this house. And I've called you to help build it. Your sonship goes far beyond what you think you should do. Your sonship to me and who I am to you as father goes far beyond what you think your function should be and how you think it should be accomplished. And God began to rearrange. My sense of stability began to be shifted. And I began to say, you know what? It's not about me predicting where God wants me to be. It's about me stepping into the unpredictability of God. In his presence, though, at that place, I felt completely safe. I felt completely safe at that moment because I knew that it was God that was directing me. His spirit brought peace. Do you know that presence is far more powerful than content? Presence is far more powerful than content. You don't need to know all the details when you live in the presence of the one that does. You, Jesus, he was so unpredictable. The Pharisees hated him. I mean, imagine following Jesus when you're on earth. Imagine following this guy when he was on earth. I mean, he's over here healing this one person, and then he's like, all right, y'all, we're about to cross the boat, and they're about to go up to this place, and I'm going to go chill by myself on, on, on the mountain and just go and pray, and y'all going to be over there. And be there. it's like, Jesus, hold on. Hey, can you give me a game plan, Lord? I mean, because, like, you know, some of y'all, just you want all the details, right? It's like, uh, hold on, Jesus. you got to explain how exactly this is going to happen. And he's like, nah, nah, we're just going to go. We're just going to do it. Matter of fact, someone came to me and said, Lord, man, I want to follow you. And he said, oh, yeah. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lie his head. You want to follow me? I don't even know where I'm going to be tomorrow. You down with that? Oh, nah, see, because I got to have my schedule, Lord. See, y'all tripping, man. I got to have my routine. I got to wake up. I got to drink two raw eggs, do my hundred push-ups, you know what I'm saying? And then after that, I got to study for a little bit. Jesus said in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus asked him how to be born again, he starts talking about the Spirit and says, the one that's born of the Spirit, He goes wherever he pleases because the spirit is like the wind. You don't see it and you don't know from where it came. See, when you begin to walk in the presence of the living God, there's something that is so unpredictable about it. And for those of us who are reaching for a sense of stability and are reaching for a sense of certainty, guess what? You're not going to find it here. 
In Acts chapter 1 and 2, the disciples, they come to Jesus after he was crucified. I mean, think about it. The Savior of the world, they're thinking he's going to revolutionize the world. And then, how unpredictable, he dies. What? Oh, heck no. That's not how this was supposed to end. And then he resurrected. And so they're like, dang, now he's going to restore the kingdom of Israel. Now he's going to overthrow Rome. And they're like, Lord, at this time, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And you know what Jesus says to them? Man, it's not for you to know the times or dates, but you go in Jerusalem and you wait for the gift that my father has promised. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be filled with power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, I'm not going to give you times and dates, but you know what I'm going to give you? I'm going to give you my very presence. You don't need the details. You need my presence. You don't need to know where you think you should go. You don't even need to know where you're supposed to go 10 years from now. All you need to do is learn how to live in my presence. Jesus says in Luke, when you stand before the Gentiles and their kings, don't worry about what you're supposed to say. You don't need to rehearse it. You don't need to think about the lines and what you're supposed to proclaim and how eloquent you're going to speak in front of them. All you need to know is that my spirit who is in you, he will give you the words to say at that time. But so many of us are afraid of that. We're afraid of the unstable. We're afraid of the unpredictable. That's just because you haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good. That's just because you haven't learned to be secure in the presence of Almighty God. You haven't learned to bask in his glory and see how secure he is. When all the world is shaken around him, God is not moved. When all the world is going crazy, God is not moved. When the world's at war, God is still on the throne. He is not moved and he is not shaken. The presence of the Father is far more important than details. The presence of the Father is far more important than details. Psalm 16 verse 11 says this, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. You see, too many of us have been caught up on happiness rather than joy. We've been caught up on happiness, which is circumstantial, which is predictable. When someone gives me money, I'm happy. I could pretty much predict that junk, right? Take me out to eat, and guess what? I am happy. I'll just grub. I'll say thank you, and it'll be amazing. But guess what? When I'm starving or I'm hungry, I'm not happy. I'm probably going to be pretty sad. Take away possessions from me. And guess what? My natural response is to be sad. But joy goes far beyond circumstance. Joy is a bliss that goes far beyond situation. Joy goes far beyond what happens in my life or what's happened around me or my past, my present, and my future. Joy is not predictable, but it it is safe and it's secure in the presence of Almighty God. Joy says, I don't care what happens to me in my life. The presence of my God is with me, and I can rejoice. Joy says, man, things could happen in my family. My job could be lost. My future can be insecure. But my God is never shaken. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. See, those who have not yet learned to walk in the presence of God have not yet learned that presence is far more powerful than content. You're still waiting for the details. You're still waiting for God to reveal every little step. That's because you haven't yet learned to walk in the presence of God. You haven't yet learned that almighty God desires to fill you and desires to walk with you at every moment. You haven't yet learned that your father has chosen to live in you and dwell in you and that your body is a temple of his very presence. You haven't yet learned that you, des- you have been designed 
not just to operate and do things for God, but you've been designed to live in his presence at every moment, not just when you die and go to heaven. God's desiring to take you to a place where you experience the joy that comes from his presence that goes far beyond circumstance, that goes far beyond situation. And when you enter into that place, you could rest safely in the reality that there's purpose to God's unpredictability. There's purpose to God's unpredictability. When you learn to stand in his presence, when you learn how to be awed by him. You know, we talked about awesomeness, awesome, uh, God's awesomeness last night. My spiritual father, Pastor Benjamin, says this, that awe, it's intimacy devoid of familiarity. It's intimacy devoid of familiarity. When I look at my wife and I just say, dang, I can't even, I don't even know you, girl. I thought I knew you, but I don't know. I'm just in awe of who you are. That means I'm intimate with her in every way. But I'm not so familiar with her that I can predict her every movement or her every thought or her every emotion. God wants to take us to a place where we recognize there's purpose to his unpredictability and we're safe and secure in it because we learn how to stand in awe in the midst of his presence. We learn how to be so raptured by his presence that we can stand and we can be there and we can be unmoved and unshaken and unworried about what's coming next. God's desire is for us to be able to relinquish control, full and absolute control to him because we know that in his presence there is fullness of joy. We often desire to predict what his next step is. We often desire to predict where the next place he wants us to move. And when we can't explain it, when we can't explain what he's going to do, at that moment our faith is shaken. John 10, a man was born blind. And in the Jewish paradigm, if somebody was born blind, that meant that they sinned or their parents sinned or generations before them sinned. And so Jesus goes to this man that was born blind, and he heals him completely, fully removes his blindness. And the disciples look at him and say, Lord, who sinned that this man was born blind? He's like, man, you're so predictable. You're trying to to calculate God's every movement and every which way and every which why. Man, this is just for God's glory. This is just for God's glory. I don't even got an explanation for you other than God is going to receive glory from this man's healing. It's not about your ability to be able to explain what I'm doing here or to be able to predict why every person was born blind or was not born blind. This is just for God to awesome people right now. It's first for some people to begin to stand in a place where they're unfamiliar and say, God, I can never fully understand you and be completely safe in that place. You have to relinquish your desire to predict what God's going to do. You have to relinquish, really, your desire to control him. When you're trying to predict his every movement, what you're trying to do is reach for a sense of control. You're trying to reach for a sense of control. God, you can't do that. That's not in my thinking. God, you can't do that. That's not in my paradigm. God, you can't do that. It's not in my time. But God will not be put in a box. He just don't roll like that. He will not be put in a box. He will not. He will not let you think you can calculate every moment of all your life and thinking you know exactly how it's going to happen because you don't. But he does. He wants to move you to a place where you're safe and secure in your uncertainty, but his certainty. 
He wants to move you to a place where you're absolutely and completely secure in your instability, but his stability. You see, big thinkers, world changers, sons, leaders, they learn how to thrive in ambiguity. They learn how to thrive in the uncertain. Some of us, it's so hard for us to step into something new because if we're not familiar with it and if we're not safe and if we're not comfortable, man, I ain't touching that junk. But those who move forward in life, those who transform the world, they're able to say, you know what? I'm going in head first. I don't even care. You have to learn how to be able to say, I'm going in head first. I don't care what's going to happen. Not because your ability to be able to make sure that you're safe, but because of God's ability to be able to work out his best and his purpose in your life. You have to be willing to jump, not because you know the answer, but because you know the God who can catch you. You have to be willing to step into those places and step into a timing that's not your own. God's timing cannot be predicted. It's unpredictable to us, but it's completely known to him. God's timing in our lives is absolutely unpredictable to us, but it's completely known to him. And when we're safe in that place, it's because we come to grips and we've laid hold by faith of the reality of Romans 8, 28. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. You see, some of you have just not been safe with uncertainty because you don't yet realize and don't yet believe that God is good. You don't yet believe that God is working for your good. And you don't yet believe that he has your purpose in his hands. You don't yet believe that your future is secure in him. He's not going to promise you physical safety. I'm going to just keep it real. When you decide to follow Jesus, he's not going to promise you financial stability. But what he's going to promise you is his goodness being revealed in your life. What he's going to promise you is his goodness made known in your life. You know, Joseph, when God began to reveal himself to Joseph, I mean, Joseph was legit. You know what I'm saying? He's just a man. And not just because my name was Joseph, but because he's heck of legit. But God promised him at a young age. God gave them his vision and he, his dream, his dream. And he had a dream. And in the dream, there was these haystacks all around him. And they bowed down to him and represented of his brothers bowing down to him. And then God showed him another dream. And in this dream, there were stars bowing down to him and the sun and moon. And it was representative of all his brothers and then his mom and his dad. And so in sense, in, inside of Joseph, there was a sense of greatness. Man, I'm about to be a ruler. I'm about to be this leader. And all my brothers are going to bow down. My parents are going to bow down. And he shares it with his brothers. And like, oh, heck to the no, we're about to kill you. And they literally, they kidnapped that boy, stripped him. Threw him down the well, left him for dead, and then they saw some traders coming by, and they're like, shoot, let's just trade this boy. Let's get some money off it. Traded him, sold him into slavery. See, Joseph thought, shoot, man, God got this awesome purpose for me. He's going to work it right now. All my brothers are about to bow down to me. I'm about to be a leader. And God said, nah, nah, nah. My timing's unpredictable, bro. Thrown into a cistern, sold into slavery. Now he's working for Potiphar. He's working as a slave. But the Bible says that God was with him. And because God was with him, he succeeded in all that he did. Joseph had to begin to step into the reality that God's presence is far greater than God's content revealed to me. Because God is with me, I'm going to prosper. 
Because God is with me, it doesn't matter what happens to me. His presence is going to lead me into prosperity. His presence is going to lead me into greatness. And so then he was lied upon in Potiphar's house. He was accused of sleeping with Potiphar's wife. Then he was thrown into prison. But guess what he did? He prospered. Why? Because he, he was a son who knew he was favored by his father and knew who ultimately he was favored by the God of his fathers. And so he prospered in prison. No matter where he go, he went, he served as a son who was favored. He knew that favor followed him all the days of his life because God was with him. You can put him in any circumstance. You can put him in any situation, and he was going to prosper. It didn't matter. You know, there has to be something inside of us that begins to rise up and say, it doesn't matter how unpredictable the circumstances and situations I get led into. My God favors me. My God is with me. And because he's with me, because he favors me, favors me, I'm going to prosper. There's something inside of me. I don't care. Wherever I go, you can make me a janitor. I'm going to be the best, most legit Mexican janitor you've ever seen. I could work at McDonald's, and guess what? I'll be a manager within a couple months. And I'll probably start opening up a new chain of McDonald's. You could put me anywhere. But because the presence of my God is with me, because the presence of my God is with me, because his favor is on me, I'm going to thrive. And Joseph understood this reality. He understood that there was a purpose to the unpredictability of God. And finally, at the end of his life, God made him a prime minister of Egypt. And Joseph's brothers come to him, and they're afraid that he's going to throw them into prison. And he looks at him and says, man, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. See, you didn't know that God had this plan before the foundations of the earth. You didn't know God's timing for my life. You didn't know that this was my Kairos moment. You didn't know that God destined me from before creation that I was going to rule in Egypt and that through me, salvation was going to come to the nations. Some of you right now, you don't realize that you're a Joseph. You don't realize that you're a Joseph. And all God is desiring to do is to awaken you to his presence in your life. He's desiring to awaken you to the presence of the Father in your life because you don't know where your next step is and you don't know where you're going to go. And that's okay. You don't need to as long as you know that God, the one whose presence in whom you live, does know. I want us to stand up on our feet. We need to begin to step into the unpredictability of God. And here's what we're going to do. It's very simple. Very simple. We're going to relinquish some control right now. We're going to relinquish some control right now. Heavenly Father, I pray right now over your sons and daughters that we'll allow you to reveal your goodness to us. God, that you'll remove the fear right now of your unpredictability, God. Your word says that you have not given us a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear, but a spirit of sonship by which we cry out, Abba, Father. I just feel that like there's some of you right now that you're pretty afraid of what's going to happen next in your life. And you're not really sure. And I just believe that God wants to overwhelm you with this goodness right now. I believe that God wants to overwhelm you with this goodness right now. 
If you've been battling fear right now, I want you just to come up here. If you've been wrestling with fear of what's happening next, I want you to come up here. If you've been wrestling with anxiety, if any of you have been just anxious at night, you're having a hard time sleeping because you're just thinking so much about what's going to happen next, and so anxiety's been gripping your heart, come on, I I just believe that God is going to immerse you in his goodness right now. God's raising up an army of sons and daughters who are fearless. They're fearless. And they're not fearless because they know what's happening next. They're fearless because they live in the presence of the Almighty. They live in the presence of the Almighty. They live in the presence of the one who knows. They live in the presence of the one who knows. Some of you, I believe today, today that God just wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He wants to immerse you in his presence. He wants to immerse you in his presence. You've known what it means to to know him a little bit, but you haven't known what it means to live in his presence. You haven't yet known what it means that in his presence there is fullness of joy. And I believe that God today just wants to immerse some of you with his spirit. Jesus. You see, the disciples, they knew that Jesus was the savior of the world they didn't have all the details that's why I love the book of Acts they didn't know how the church was going to grow or the next steps that they were supposed to take but they knew that God's presence his very self was going to be poured out upon them and if God himself was going to live in them and was going to live with them then they had nothing to be afraid of didn't matter if they were thrown in prison it didn't matter if their possessions were stripped from them All those circumstances and situations meant nothing. They couldn't compare to the glory of their God living with them and living in them. And I believe that today God wants to fill some of you with his spirit. We call this the baptism of the spirit where he immerses you. That word baptism, it literally means to immerse as if you're being dunked or you're like you're going underwater like you're swimming. And God just wants to immerse some of you in his Holy Spirit, in his presence. And you don't need to know all the answers because his presence is the game changer. His presence is the game changer. It's not your ability to figure it out. It's not even your ability to muster up the courage to live for him in the way you think you should. It's his presence overwhelming you and filling with you with the boldness that supersedes your ability to be bold. Come on, I want you just to lift up your hands right now. God is breaking fear, and God is going to immerse you in his presence. Heavenly Father, right now, we cry out for your presence, God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. We don't need to predict your movement, God, but the things that are predictable about you are your character, God. You do not change. The things that are predictable about you, God, are your promises. They remain the same. The promises of God, they are yes and they are amen. And Jesus, you promised that you would go into the heavens and that you would send the Holy Spirit, your very presence, to be with us forever. And you said he will not leave us as orphans, 
but he will come to us and he will live with us and he will be in us. So right now we stand on the predictability of that promise. We stand with faith, Lord God, that you desire to live inside of us. You desire to strip us of fear. You desire to strip us of anxiety. You desire to strip us, Lord God, of not knowing. The anxiety that comes from not knowing and leading us to a place of faith and a place of security that comes from your presence. Come on, just wait for a moment with your hands lifted up. Here's what's predictable predictable about God. It's his promises. It's his nature. It's his character. He's good and he does not do anything outside of his goodness. He's loving and he'll never do anything opposed to his love. He's holy and he's righteous and he's just and he'll never act outside of that. He's perfect. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's ever present. He never leaves and never forsakes his people. Even when you feel like you're alone, the reality is you're never alone. Even when you felt like he's abandoned you, the reality is he's never abandoned you. Even when you felt like you're empty, when you became a son, his spirit filled you and he's never left you empty. Come on, you don't realize that the promises of God are predictable. Those are predictable. You can stand on them. You can stand on them. The word of God is true. It endures forever. It's written in the heavens and not the least stroke of a pen will be wiped out until all of it's completed. Father, right now we reach for your presence. Come on, we reach for your presence. I want you to open your mouth and begin to say, God, fill me with your presence right now. Fill me with your presence. The faith that comes from being in your presence. The love that comes from being in your presence. The safety that comes from being in your presence. Father, fill me with it right now. Come on, some of you want more of God, and he's going to fill you with more right now. Some of you want to be baptized in his spirit, and he's going to fill you with it right now. want you right now just to open your mouth and begin to say God fill me God fill me with your presence Father Father teach me to live in your presence I want to see you the way Jesus saw you as Father not just the God that is far off but the God that is radically near the God that reveals himself the God that makes himself known I want to see you as Father I want to know you intimately I want to know your presence and I want to live in it come on I want you just to reach for a moment you just reach for a moment.